Philo community. It's 2022. I can't even believe I'm saying it out loud. What a weird sounding year. Anyway, hopefully you've been able to recover from your Christmas run and take it some time for yourself and your family. I was talking to one of our Philo cohort leaders, Wes, and he was saying how much he didn't really even know he needed a break until he was taking it. Like many of you, he was pushing through Christmas and feeling really good, but then he took a foot off the gas and realized how tired he really was. And you know what? It's okay to be tired. And it's also important for each of us to figure out how to become refilled and ready to tackle the new challenges facing us now that we're back at it. And unfortunately, no one else can or will figure it out for you. Each of us need to sit down and look at our schedules and be intentional about the time that's been given to us. So prioritizing the things that matter. You know what? If you don't, Life is just going to drag you along behind it without any regard to your feelings or your family or any of that stuff. And for me, I'm setting aside a couple days next week and just planning out what's important to me for the coming year. And if I don't make this kind of effort, I'll just keep repeating similar patterns that might not be healthy, which is not cool. And in December, I was on a podcast with the folks from Resi and they asked me, about some advice I might have for technical artists to survive Christmas. And my answer was basically, you know what, if it's December, it's you know probably too late to figure out how to survive Christmas this year. But the time to make a plan to crush December is right now. So spend some time now to order your world today so that you aren't crushed by Christmas in 11 months from now. All right, if you're new to our podcast, welcome. We're here to help you become more effective as technical artists so that your church can become more effective. And that's our goal with everything we do. It's our book, I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas, the Philo Cohorts, the Philo Blog, Philo Coaching, and the Philo Conference. We've had a Philo Cohort just start last week, and they're basically a small group for technical artists facilitated by a trusted member of the Philo team. They've been an amazing experience for me personally just getting to be with technical artists from all over the world. And it's been fascinating to see how much we have in common. doesn't matter what size the church is or what country. Those of us who have chosen to serve our churches as technical artists, we have similar challenges and similar successes. And there's nothing quite like being with a group of people who, yeah, realize they aren't alone, myself included. So if you're interested in learning more about cohorts, you can check out our website, philo.org slash coaching. And you can either put your name on a waiting list or you could sign up for the cohort I'm leading, which starts in about a month. The structure of the cohort consists of a one and a half hour session with no more than 10 people for six weeks. And we cover all types of topics on how to succeed as a leader and as a technical artist at your church, as well as having access to a Slack channel filled with cohort members from around the world. And it's been a really great place for community and to ask questions and share wins from each of our ministries. It's a really wonderful community of people supporting each other. And it's people that you know because you've been in cohorts with them. It's just been a great resource for people. So wherever you are and whatever your situation, I really believe that Philo cohorts can help all of us become better versions of ourselves, which means that we'll be serving our churches each week as our best version, which makes a huge difference in our lives and in our church's life. Okay, let's get to the podcast. My guest this time around is Becky Eichema. She is a worship leader and a coach of worship leaders, and she and I used to work together for a number of years at Willow Creek, and I thought it would be great to have her on the podcast to help us hear a perspective from a different angle. 
Each of us work with worship leaders every week, and I don't know about you, but we tend to be wired very differently from each other. And so Becky and I dove into this uh, and had a great conversation. So let's get to it. Hey, Becky. Hey, how's it going? Good. Yeah. Good. We did a podcast recording recently. And so yeah. like in the for your podcast, which we can talk about in a bit, mm-hmm. but just the conversation was so good. I'm like, this would be a good thing for tech people to be hearing also. So awesome. here you are. I invited yeah. you to be a part of our little community here. So welcome. Why don't you tell us maybe a little bit about maybe your story? What do you do now and how you ended up getting there? Yeah, yeah, for sure. To start out with, I've got a crazy last name. So you can always just say, hey, you. That's totally fine. Uh, I used to be Becky Johnson. You can't uh-huh. get more vanilla Super than easy. that. And, right, yeah. Uh, married a, a Dutch guy from Western Michigan named Eikema. Nathan right. Eikema. It's, it's actually easier if you hear it. You're yeah. like, oh, Eikema. But then if you see it, you're like, what, what? is that? <laughs> There's a Y. There's a Y. It should right, be yeah. Waikama or Yukama. Never Yakima. No. Yeah, don't, don't do <laughs> Please that. Please no. no right. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in the uh, the Midwest and grew up in a tiny church and then made my way to a really big stage and served with alongside you at Willow Creek for a mm-hmm. good long while. And I'm so grateful for that opportunity and what I learned there. And then felt like the Lord uh, was calling me to use gifts of pastoring a team and, and developing mm-hmm. a culture. And so uh, he provided an opportunity out in Denver. So we up and moved our family out to Denver and we've been out here for six years. And I had, um, I had the blessing, the gift of getting to come alongside a pretty new church and develop a worship team relatively from the ground up and Mm -hmm. served there for six years as their worship pastor. And then recently uh, transitioned off off team there. So I am working alongside Slingshot organization right now and uh, help to run point with churches on their searches, finding their next right leaders and uh, come alongside leaders and pastors and worship leaders and coach them along the way. And then get to freelance worship league, do what I get to do with a little bit more ease in freedom these days. So, yeah. I have to say, just as an aside, like a freelance, it's so similar, like you're Mm -hmm. doing similar things, but something about the mentality is totally different. I'm not attached to the baggage or the politics or the, Mm -hmm. I'm just coming to do what I do best and that's it. That's been, yeah, that's what my husband and I have talked about in this season. The shift has been getting to use the gifts that I know the Lord's given me, Mm -hmm. uh, but I get to go in, bless and encourage a congregation and then go home. So there, there is at least for this season, for however long the Lord has me in this season, I'm grateful for that opportunity. Sure. Yeah. So on a a totally separate note, uh, we're talking, we're going to be talking about kind of the people that are I was going to say stuck there. They're not stuck there. They're blessed with the opportunity. Right, to be a part of a community. Yeah, to invest in people. Yeah. And so one of the, yeah, one of the reasons that I thought it would be great for us to have this uh, conversation is when I started leading teams and being a part of a ministry, I, I realized that there was like tension that existed between me and at that time, I, I don't know if I would call it worship leader, maybe the music director or the arts mm-hmm. director. There was always mm-hmm. this tension that existed. And I would go to conferences, mostly at Willow Creek at the time, and was always amazed that we were never talking about it. Nobody was talking about mm. that, how difficult that was. I'm like, 
yeah, I, I probably have some things I need to learn about my skill development, but this is really the thing that is the most painful yeah. for me. And how come nobody's talking about it? I just, I, something from our conversation about a month ago made me realize I have a lot of opinions about the relationship, but they're all from my perspective. And mm. so I've been doing this a long time, but some of the things you said, I was like, I've never thought of it that way before. Mm. And so I just thought it would be great for us to talk about the relationship that exists, the maybe the gap that exists and your perspective on it from the person on the platform versus we talk about it a lot on this podcast from the booth perspective. But yeah, wh what is it really like on your side? Yeah, yeah. I I think this conversation is so vital. And the episode that you came in on my podcast on why can't we be friends between production, programming, and pastors? Yeah. I think that's it. I remember naively when I joined a team that we were on together, I remember you and a few other leaders intentionally using the language over and over, we are one team, we are one team. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, well, of course we're one team. Why wouldn't we be? Right. And then I realized at the time, the entire production side, that whole department was on a, in a whole different wing of the building. Yeah, and then yeah. you had to like cross doors, offices, hallways into the programming or like the worship creative yeah. area. And I started realizing, oh, I think there is a disconnect between these two worlds that are supposed to work in tandem with one another. That started uh, pinging something in my own heart. Like, I think there's I think there's a disconnect that we can help bridge if we're intentional in it. Right, right. One of the things from my perspective that was always a little bit frustrating, maybe not frustrating, but I feel like we're wired up so differently. So mm -hmm. there's already a little bit of a disconnect because yeah. I'm I'm different than you and how I think about what we're doing is different than how you think about it. And so that's maybe one part of it. The other part of it that I really wrestled with is that Generally speaking, the tech people, they're doing things that have nothing to do with the weekend service. Like they have a mm. whole list of problems to solve that are about the youth group or the kids ministry or the yeah, Wednesday that's morning fascinating. Yeah, Bible study for young moms or whatever. Just there's, there's an operational side that you would not care about. And I'm sure there are things that in your world that I don't care about or don't know about, don't understand. Yeah, I think the disconnect, it's a natural like progression. It makes sense that if you don't spend time working on it, it's just going to deteriorate. You are, Todd, you're opening my eyes. <laughs> I love this. This is why we talk because we yeah. can learn from one another. Because yeah, when you say that, you're so right. There's so many parts that I, as a, a worship leader, I'm not thinking my brain is focused on mm -hmm. Thursday night practice, Sunday morning services. Sure, right. Your head might be wrapped around uh, this memorial that's happening. And then the mops group is having technical right. problems. And then, yeah. and then I remember moments just throughout my 17 years of working on staff at a church of, uh, you know, maybe showing up for a Bible study that asked for worship to be there and seeing my tech director being there and going, oh, isn't this fun? We get to work together <laughs> in a new space. Yeah. Yay, look at us. Yeah, yeah. When my tech director is thinking, yeah, no kidding. I do this every week. Right, like, right. Oh, I'll hey, be here next week yeah. and you won't. Yeah. How fun. I never <laughs> thought about that, but that's so true. Huh. And I think the the other thing that's really difficult from a the average church tech person is that 
you could have the worship leader as your boss. Mm-hmm. And that person cares yeah. very deeply about the weekend service and not much else. No, mm-hmm. no offense. No, totally. Or you can report to the the operations side of the church, executive pastor or something. Mm-hmm. They care about all that other stuff deeply. Mm-hmm. And the weekend service, whatever. It's not as important. Or they just don't understand the nuance of creativity and that that whole dynamic that that happens on the weekend. Yeah. yeah. So you're as a tech person, yeah, you're like nobody. There is no perfect boss for Mm -hmm. me because Mm -hmm. nobody fully understands the two halves, I guess I would say, of what we're responsible for. We're never going to solve it and every place is different, but I'm curious in your experience coming alongside different churches, have you seen it? Have you seen a pattern where it's been done where that, I don't want to call it a hierarchy, that kind of workflow structure, who reports to who? I think it's worked well. Yeah. I think really what it boils down to is the relationship between mm. the two people, whoever your boss is. Like, yeah. And on some level, having a boss that understands the dynamics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just was visiting a church in Cincinnati and yeah, they've somehow figured it out. But I think it's all about the relationship and the boss really fully understand, not maybe not fully understanding, but is aware of the dynamic of all the requests that come in for the tech people and that it's not just all about the weekend. The the funny thing is if the weekend's not going well, none of the other, none of the other things are going to go well. And mm-hmm. so it is an interesting, strange dynamic. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, I don't think there's, I think the, there is no magic bullet, number one, and huh. it's all about relationship. And so I spent a lot of time talking to our audience about how important it is on your side of the relationship, all the work that I can do to improve the relationship. But then at the end of the day, it's a two, two groups are involved. And so oh, yeah. you're trusting that the other person will meet you in that. I remember at my former church, I had a, an audio engineer. I Quite honestly, that, that season, we went through so many folks, short stints of technical uh-huh. directors and audio engineers. But I remember having uh, one for a season who he was so gracious with me and trying to explain to me what Dante is <laughs> and why it's time for us to invest in Dante. Because then I, as, the, as his supervisor, needed to go and then pitch it to our senior leaders. Right, right. Who is Dante? Why does he need to be in our room? (laughs) But I think about that. I, as the supervisor to the the production team at the time, I was never going to fully understand who Dante was. But this leader was gracious enough and and not patronizing. But Uh hey, I'm going to put this in terms that I think you're going to understand. And I was so grateful for his his posture in that Uh to help me know enough to then cast that vision and and, and share the value with our, our lead pastors. I think one of the things that tech people we tend to struggle with is, yeah, speaking in a language that non-tech people can understand. Mm. If you get some tech people in a room, yeah, that Dante conversation is going to be very confusing uh, mm-hmm. because there's so many ins and outs and, you know, protocols. And I, mean, I may be in the wrong person to be talking about uh, what all is Dante. But I did, I did, I have to say just the other day, maybe two or three days ago, I had my audio, I have an audio system that I had mm-hmm. set up in my garage that was troubleshooting Dante. That was mm-hmm. the whole reason I was I'm like, I should 
have somebody else do this because uh, it's going to take me way too long. Anyway. This is why we need each other. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So one of the things that I, in our conversation from before that I really loved was you were sharing a story of a time when you were frustrated with production. And I don't know if you remember the the story. I If you could yeah. repeat it and then we'll talk about it. Because I, I think for me, it was super eye-opening as well. Oh, sure. Oh, I'm so happy to. And I'm like, <laughs> which story to share? But I'll, <laughs> I'll share the one because I'm sure there's so many that you have too. Like these artists. Ah. <laughs> but the one that, that we had talked about was, I'll call it the lighted runway. Okay. The lighted <laughs> runway. It was a, a special featured song moment that we had planned for the weekend. And it's a beautiful Carrie Job song. Uh, and I had it all prepared and I could remember what I was wearing and where my spike marks were. And then I found out I had multiple spike marks for the song and (laughs) the team had put together this beautiful, I just call it like a lighted runway. It was this beautiful, like ground level uh, lights that were this beautiful, like a warm yellow light and, and a backlit. And then I, I walked up to my first spike mark and then walked to my second one at the second bridge. And my heart at the time had grown kind of callous over a little bit to all of it because I didn't understand the why behind it. And I was so afraid as the person delivering the song that we were actually pointing the attention on me versus Mm. the words of the song versus the the subject of it, which mm-hmm. is the fact that Jesus is always with us. Mm-hmm. And, but I held that in, I didn't sure. share that. And that when I look back, I go, oh gosh, that was my miss in not saying "Time out." I need to understand the why behind this. Cause I feel like the focus is more on me than it is Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. The, and I think that whole understanding the reason why was so, yeah, just something I Maybe I thought of before, but hearing you say it, I was like, oh my gosh, we make a lot of assumptions. I think on probably on both sides about what someone is thinking or what they need to know, or I would even say, oh, we all get this. So we're just going to talk about it and get down to business instead Mm -hmm. of not assuming that somebody totally understands why we need something done. Mm -hmm. And I would say as a tech person, I feel a lot of times like there's so much in my world that and we've talked about it already a little bit that you take for granted that is, mm-hmm. or that you don't even know about. Mm-hmm. And there's so much in your world that I don't know about. And so I could imagine in that moment when we're creating this, Becky's in all the meetings I'm in, she's been a part of this dreaming this moment up. And the fact that now we're giving her tons of direction and turning it into more of a, Becky, we just need you to deliver by like, number one, singing the song and communicating it well, and then hitting all these spike marks and yeah, okay, let's start. And instead of that, you crushing it is not a foregone conclusion. Mm. I think as a tech person in the booth, the people on stage are like, hey, yeah, just do your thing. And it's right. going to be awesome when it's, right. there's way more going on than just do your job. Yeah, there's there's that the surface level of it all. And then there's the heart. Okay, what's going on? What's the why? How are we leaning in as a team? Or is this dividing us? And do we have questions about the intention? As you were speaking about this, it makes me think, I think we had a bit of a, a miss. And this might be a, a tidbit that is helpful for anybody who is a producer or who le- leads creative meetings. I would often hear the heart behind an idea, a creative worship pitch 
in a separate meeting before it goes to the production team. Uh So I would hear the heart behind it. Y'all would receive then the, here's what we're doing now, execute and make it great. Already, we're seeing a disconnect between your team not hearing the the heart, the why, the intention of that moment. Sure, right. And then those of us who are delegated to, I hate the word perform, but to perform the task, we're caught in the space of, are we, are we, pastoring a moment here or are we an object being told what to do? Right, right. It's tricky. Yeah. And I think too, left to our own devices, I think tech people, and I would say a lot of the years that we worked together, this was true. Like without real direction, production team is just going to do what they know how to do. So we're going to make it sound awesome. We're going to do light it's going to be amazing. You're going to kill it. Yeah. yeah, We're going to crush it. And so to, to not hear the heart behind something, it, right there, you're already diverging paths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think too, for most, I'll just speak for myself. I'm like, I don't have time to hear about the heartbeat behind this thing. I got work to do. And part of it is that the thing about hearing the heart behind something, you're part of the meeting where maybe it's getting developed and we're like figuring it out. And then at the end of the meeting, oh, there's the heart. We got it. And huh, during that meeting, that hour, I'm like, I have got so much to do. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't have time to like just sit here and listen. Yeah. Yeah. Because also as a tech person, you don't necessarily want me opening my mouth in those meetings too often because I'm just like, can't do it, won't do it, uh, mm. can't be done. But just mm-hmm. like you start entering into the mm. like, I'm troubleshooting everything when I just yeah. need to let the idea bubble up. Yeah, totally. Oh, uh, that's a really great point too. So knowing... I struggled with that too when I was in a leadership position at, at my my previous church of knowing when and how do I bring in my production team to this so that they're feeling like they they have the whole scope of it, but their time is also not being wasted. Yeah. So I think for me as a, a musical artist, let's say, it mattered to me a lot to know the heart behind what we were going to do. But then it also mattered for me the why of how we were going to do it. Oh gosh, I guess I was pretty needy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, just wanted it, to be in all the conversations. It all matters. I think yeah. the, yeah, to be authentic in delivering a song or you have to really own it in a way like yeah. deep inside of you, not just, I know the lyrics or whatever. And yeah, it is amazing to me how much of that, as a tech person, I just like very rarely cross my mind. Hmm. Like how much work does Becky need to do to own this song? Yeah. And then I'm just going to pile on the things that I need from her. <laughs> so stand here, stand, then move here and look here and- you Hold know, your mic <laughs> a different way because the mic is not looking great. It's covering too much of your face on the right, iMeg right. screens. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Which is so interesting. So I think there's so many very nitpicky things we can get into to make our services better. Sure. So I was working with a volunteer team just this past weekend, and there were a lot of things that we could have done a lot better. Mm. But at a certain point, I'm like, okay, let's just, let's make this incrementally better. Yeah. And not load people down with so many things to do this. And don't forget about that. And definitely don't do this. And you know, that's all they're thinking about. 
Mm-hmm. But I think it's, I don't know if it's just the culture that I've come from where we're always trying to make stuff better that yeah. a lot of times you can just pile on too much at once mm-hmm. and lose the heart of what's going on. But then at a certain point, like your example of, could you hold your mic differently because we can't see your face on iMag? That's not necessarily a bad note to be given, but it's also, I think this will work with your mic in your in your face too, but No, you're spot on. Totally. And I'm thinking like, why do they need my face? We're lifting the name of Jesus. And you're like, yeah, but everybody's thinking about the name of Jesus. Yes, totally. (laughs) Yeah. Get the plank out of your head. It's right right there. We can help you with this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I think too, the, just thinking about, again, the times we work together, there's so much of the time we're like analyzing the camera shots and from my perspective and, oh, that let's move this out of the way, or she needs to move six inches this way. Or there's this weird thing like sticking out of her head from the background and just all totally things just trying to like, let's eliminate as much distraction. I mean, it's distracting me. Maybe it's not distracting someone else, but yeah. But I think you start piling all those things on and that's all mm-hmm. you're talking about is these ways to, can you do better? Yeah. What you're doing isn't right. And that's not necessarily the heart uh, behind that. Totally. Yeah. I could see that very much. Like those things matter when your team is looking at cultivating a distraction-free zone, that is your offering of worship. That is you helping facilitate an environment for people to connect with God and not be thinking like, that sure looks like there's a pole sticking out of that person's back with the way that the is catching it. Yeah, Those things matter. And yes, I think holding it in balance, there's two, two lines that come to mind. One, I remember for a season, we talked a lot about the law of diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. And when you pick at something, you can make it better and better, but at a certain point, it's going to drop off. And I think we saw that when we would try and make our rehearsals perfect. Yeah, I think also that during that season, I can remember, or maybe it was a little before you got there, I can remember thinking, our, it feels like our goal is a perfect rehearsal mm. when are we even doing the right thing? Is this the right moment we're trying to create versus we nailed it in rehearsal? Yeah, but then you'd get to the service like, oh, wrong song. We should be doing a totally different set of things. Yeah, yeah. One of the other quotes that came to my mind as you were speaking where I say this all the time and maybe now it's being a mom with two kids and Mm -hmm. spinning all the plates, but... I say major on the major and minor on the minors. Mm -hmm. And to me, majoring on the majors and minoring on the minors does translate sometimes to these bigger spaces where we can get very uh, nitpicky with the best of intentions in the details. But but let's also not lose what our major focus is on and let it steal joy away from that. Yeah, and I think too, that idea of majoring on the majors... I love that. And I think about the, again, the time that we were working together, like it was very fuzzy on what the majors were. Like we didn't huh. talk about really, yeah. what are we all about? Mm-hmm. And and have a hi- hierarchy in a way of these things matter the most. And then these things just matter less. Yeah. And now that I'm saying it, there was definitely a moment in time where it's like the phrase like every weekend is the Super Bowl was mm. uh, said mm-hmm. out loud. And so, well, mm-hmm. it's hard to have any kind of minor things. They're all majors. 
if you're going to play yeah. the Super Bowl every week, everything matters. Well, and every six days, you've got well, a new Super Bowl that has to be new and compelling and still rise and crescendo, but right. different. Yeah. It, yeah. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And I think too, as the leader, so in your situation at your last church, you were the one kind of, you're leading the whole thing. Yeah. You have some level of control over defining what are the majors, what are the minors. Mm -hmm. And to be able to create an environment where, yeah, let's not worry about that right now or make the note and we'll do it next week or whatever. Yeah. Whereas I think, especially for certain churches where maybe there is no, there's very little understanding of what it takes to do the production side of things that mm -hmm. it's hard to know what's minor. Yeah, absolutely. It is hard yeah. to know. It almost takes, sometimes I think that's where a role of a consultant or an outside mentor coming in mm -hmm. and giving you a, another perspective of what's going on can be such a gift to a team right. if they're able to do that because it helps you go, oh man, I'm too much in the weeds of what's going on here to really right. see clearly of where we really need to focus in. And I think too, just again, talking about how different you and I can be like, yeah, my list of majors is totally different than yours. Like the things mm. that matter to me in a service, mm. again, if it's up to me, I think look a lot different than the things that are important to you. I want to press on that though. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's look at that fundamentally though, philosophically. Like what are, when you would go into executing a weekend, what are some of yeah, your- Yeah, I think because I'm responsible for not making any mistakes, boil it all down. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to eliminate the chances for mistakes, mm. which means over-rehearsing potentially, mm -hmm. or I need the graphics 10 days in advance, or all these structures and processes that, that will ensure that I succeed. Yeah. Because I don't want to let anybody down. Yeah, yeah. What that ends up doing, you lived <laughs> in that environment with me. It's like at a certain point, it's, oh, wow, the most important thing is that the cue sheet's accurate. It's like, it's important, but it's not the most important thing. Yeah, so I'm probably going to make an overstatement here. Great, that, bring it on. Yeah, that whether the worship set works or not, that's not, uh, I'm even afraid to say it. I don't, deep down, like what, whatever, somebody, that's somebody else's responsibility to figure out, or is it the right thing or not? Yeah. I just want to execute it. Yeah. And so from your perspective, you're like, uh, is this the thing our church needs, what we're mm -hmm. doing? Mm -hmm. That, that feels like it would be the most important thing to you. Hmm. Yeah. To me, it's, did we execute it? That's the. Well, and to me, that's your team bringing their first fruits. Yep. of offering of worship. That's their best of their best. Mm -hmm. The best of the best for me is I am not walking into a weekend having only looked at the songs once. No, yeah. I have spent time as, as best as I can memorizing the words, mm -hmm. memorizing the chords of what I'm going to play yeah. so that, that the content is already written on my heart. So then I can have an ear to heaven, ear to the room and lead out. Yeah. But I think so often... I will very often go to the graphics op wherever I'm at and say, mm -hmm. hey, today you are as much the worship leader as I am because mm -hmm. without you, nobody knows the words that we're trying to sing out right. to God. And then it just becomes a concert where you're looking at the person right. <laughs> on stage and that's not what we want. 
So I really do feel like there's so much an act of worship in bringing your best in all that you're saying, Todd, that's what your team is doing. That is how you are leading worship on a weekend. And then jokers like myself get to get on stage and go, (laughs) okay, now we're going to lead worship. (laughs) No, worship has been facilitated and has been prepared all week long by the production team. Mm -hmm. And now my team on stage gets to enter into that and we get to make a beautiful offering to God together. Yeah. And I think like probably any gift, if preparing and creating an environment with no distractions is the thing Mm -hmm. that I'm bringing to the table. Mm -hmm. Like I think so many other things, it could be distorted and become like not a beautiful thing where it becomes about not making mistakes versus Mm -hmm. what's going to help facilitate our congregation the best. Whereas I think I would imagine from your perspective, it's easy to get your gift to get distorted also. What are you talking about? Yeah, to become the most important thing. Yeah, Um, no, absolutely. And I think that's what I I try and fight against so much. When I can sniff out uh, a rock star ego in a worship leader, like righteously (laughs) in Jesus' name, no, because it's so easy to swing into a a potentially... uh, narcissist, self-serving, egocentric space of leading worship when you do have beautiful lights on you and cameras and the sound is incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, It's so easy for that to to become an idol and and where worship has now been tainted and and is more about the person on stage than it is about the subject, which is Jesus. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. From your perspective, let's say that I'm coming at you with, I need all this information and I'm driving towards trying to make everything perfect by tightening it all down and making sure nothing moves or changes. Mm-hmm. Like from your perspective as the one leading the team or and, and leading worship of the congregation, what advice would you have for me on how to have those conversations with you and not have it be all about just the things that I need? I think the best way forward is approaching those conversations, especially when we know we're under time pressure Mm -hmm. to get things locked in before service. I think having a heart-to-heart moment of, hey, we're working on the same thing here Mm -hmm. with the same intention. Here's what my team is needing right now and we're not receiving it. How can we move forward here? And I think, and in those times, it might get tense and it might be a, hey, our team is really working hard here. This is what we need from you, A, B, and C. But let's, you and I grab coffee next week and let's talk about this weekend and debrief and hash out anything we need to. I think having that heart-to-heart connect, even in those tense moments, goes, okay, we know that right now we just, we, we need to press forward, but we're going to connect on this. We're not going to let this uh, get swept underneath the rug. Yeah, it's so good. And I think too, the something in addition to that, or maybe one step before, for, at least for me, is I need to know the person that I'm working with beyond yeah. this like pressure cooker environment. If the mm-hmm. only time you're engaging in a relationship uh, together is in this like super intense, not normal kind of environment to be able to say, hey, let's grab coffee and not even have an agenda other than how many kids do you have and how's school going for them? And how are you feeling about how things are going just in a casual way 
so that you've got data points that that you're working with a human being. Yeah. <laughs> and not just, I need something from you, give it to me now. Absolutely. When you ha- have relational equity, it it changes the game. Mm-hmm. When I know, Todd, when I know some of your story, when I have a, a sense of what's going on in your home right now, when I have a sense of, when you've shared stories with me of past hurts with worship leaders, and I already have in my head, if I need to lean in on a, a tricky conversation with you, but I know what has hurt in the past, mm. I can honor it and steward that one. Say, okay, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to love my brother here mm-hmm. in, in a hard conversation. And likewise for you to know, oh, oh Becky has been treated X, Y, Z way from her past place. Uh-huh. Just so I know these are things that might activate her. Let me approach this conversation mm-hmm. from another way with the knowledge I already have from the relational equity. Yeah. And I think we... the Social media has probably done this to us, but like it's real easy to see what all the big churches are doing and all the cool Mm -hmm. stuff that's happening and big production moments and God's doing something amazing here and there and feel, oh, it's easy for them. Mm -hmm. Everything's going right for that place. When the reality is that if you talk to, I'm guessing if you talk to any of those people, they're like, we've gone through some very hard stuff together. And this is now, after years and years, the results of what that relationship has allowed us to do. And I think there is no easy way, there's no guarantee either, but there's no easy way to get to that place Mm -hmm. without the hard work of, yeah, just building a relationship and putting your trust in someone else and being trustworthy yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing enough of each other's languages mm-hmm. to be able to speak a common word to one another. Yeah, yeah. Matters, yeah. I think too, one of the things that really helped me in my earlier days was I was invited to, so I was running sound every week for Camp's Crusade at the campus where I was going to school. Mm-hmm. And I was also learning to play the guitar and just I thought it would be fun to do. And there were like three or four of them in our apartment. They were just everywhere. And so one week they're like, hey, you want to play guitar this week up on stage? I'm like, well, okay, sure. And that moment changed my life. I'm sure I did not play well, but just that, oh, you really can't hear anything up here. Or, you know, just all the things that I thought, (laughs) these people are crazy. When I'm back at the soundboard, these people are nuts. And then to be up there, you're like, oh no, it's, for real, we it's they're it's rough. Their request, yeah, their requests are legit. <laughs> I take it all back, oh. and that just that that opportunity to switch places and to have a glimpse into what it's really like to, you know, be on stage. Oh yeah, I remember uh, the first church I worked at after I graduated from college is a, a church in in downtown Chicago, and there was I was the associate worship director over the emergent church service. Okay. Remember when that was a thing? So <laughs> yeah. yeah, the emergent. So we had like candles, and we had communion oh, yeah. each week, <laughs> and we were super emo. It was so great. emergent. Yeah, yeah, we were so hip. And there was one Sunday where we didn't have a graphics operator and I had somebody else on on the team leading worship and leading the band. So I said, oh, cool. I'll hop on there. 
Oh my goodness, oh. Todd. I should never be a graphics app. <laughs> I can't tell you how many slides I miss. Slides, yeah. that's funny. Slides yeah, I miss. Right, yeah. Uh, because I was caught up in worship yeah. and had my eyes closed and my hands raised and <laughs> forgot to be. <laughs> so it, it totally it gives you such an appreciation for the other when you have an opportunity to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've just met so many technical artists who are also musicians. Yeah. And I just I want to encourage any musician who's listening to to know that, know your team members and, and mm. don't just box in and pigeonhole and say, well, they only know tech. No, so often, look at you, Todd. You are a painter. <laughs> yeah. You're a musician. Uh-huh. You're a technical artist. Yeah. You run the gamut of all the things. <laughs> I'm a Renaissance uh, yes. person. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I do it all. Yeah. I do it all very mediocrely. Is that a word? Medi. With I mediocrity, I'm there. I'm, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I am, which is, I think, my special superpower. I'm mm-hmm. like, I have a very shallow knowledge and ability in pretty much a huge range of things. So, yeah, you undersell yourself. <laughs> You're incredible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks. Okay. Going back a little bit in our conversation and thinking about different moments where production maybe took over or you needed to understand a little more why. We did this element for a weekend service that then we were testing it out for the leadership summit. And I... Was it Oceans? Was it that song? No, no. I've got I got a story for Oceans. <laughs> but uh, no, You Make Me Brave. You Make you Me make Brave. You Make Me Brave. So, uh, yeah, Amanda yeah, Cook. We, we ended up doing like we sh- the, the, a video was shot of you singing the song like out in... Yeah. Out, in Lake Michigan. Yeah, in we Lake were Michigan. We actually so, in Lake Michigan. So a piano in Lake Michigan. Like, that was the video. And maybe yeah. was it always the piano always in the water or was it just like general... Like gradually over time, the piano got deeper and deeper. Oh, no. When I arrived on set, it was out in the water on a platform, this beautiful, mind you, everybody, it was already a destroyed green piano. Okay. We did not destroy it. Yeah. Um, And it was probably free. Yeah. Like from Facebook Marketplace or something like that. It was, yeah. Right. Yeah. So there were, when I arrived, my my mom came with me that day. It was so fun. And there were like lily pads that y'all had set up with bricks, like little steps out in the water to the grand camp. This was one of my most fun things that we ever got to do together. (laughs) I'm so glad you brought this up. Okay. Keep going. So then, so then the idea was that eventually Becky, then live on stage, you were performing the song while the video is playing. Yeah. And you're at a piano that eventually starts gushing water, this piano on stage. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And dramatic. Yeah. And so we spent so much time and energy, again, a piano that was already destroyed, but putting plumbing in a piano so that it's gushing water at the appropriate scale or whatever. Yeah. I think there were like six bridges to the song and it was at the the fourth bridge. So the great crescendo of the song. Yes. Yeah. You're you're sitting at a piano that's not actually making any sound. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Uh, I don't know. Did you get drenched uh, sitting up there? Oh yeah. That was so crazy. (laughs) And we did it a number of times. Right. the, the moment that I was the most fearful, and this will show my my ignorance, but when Troy, one of our team members, said, okay, here's your mic, here's your pack, and he asked me to step into this 
platform that was tarped on the inside, but but like the, probably a few inches of water in sure. there. Yeah. And then I was going to sit down at a piano that was going to start gushing water <laughs> at the bridge. And I thought, I, I literally thought, I am going to die. They are <laughs> going to electrocute me right now. And everybody's telling me it's okay, but they right. don't realize that they're going to watch me die on this stage. Oh, right. <laughs> what does okay uh, mean to you exactly? Yeah, yeah. So that took a lot of trust with the, the technical team at the moment. Like, you're 100% sure. I'm a yeah. new mom. You're not going to make my family loser. Right, the mom. Okay. So the reason that I thought of this, this particular moment in time was that we spent a lot of energy and a lot mm-hmm. of brain power mm-hmm. to to pull off this, like the video side of it and then the kind of the live moment. Yeah. And I think, and maybe you have a totally different perspective. And so we're going to find out right here sure. on our yeah. podcast. Let's so do you it. guys, yeah, big treat for everybody listening. I felt like we overdid it. Like mm. we created something so cool mm. that really did not, land the, create the the moment that we were hoping it would hmm. after all that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's such a fascinating perspective because you are then watching something happen mm-hmm. that you've spent so much time and energy and resources into. And I'm the one on stage doing it not knowing if it's landing. Right, or right. Not. Yeah. So that was a really unique instance where I loved it. I thought uh-huh. it was powerful, creative. And, and then I didn't get to watch it back. So I don't know. Did yeah, it feel right. like, did it feel like it, it was over the top too much about the production and the content of the song? I think the video seemed like it, it, once you got over the shock that there's a piano in the water, yeah. like, the I, the words going by and the mm-hmm. that imagery mm-hmm. I thought was really good. I think the I think two things. One, making a piano gush water on stage is harder than it sounds mm. to have it look believable. Yeah. And I also feel at the moment in the song, the third bridge, you were saying mm-hmm. this is the kind of the big moment of the song. Instead of us being caught up in the where we built the song to and the emotion that we hopefully have created, suddenly the piano is gushing water and now everyone's just thinking about, is that piano gushing water? <laughs> it's just like a total, yeah. it's, yeah. And then, so now that's all you're thinking about. How did they do that? I wonder yeah. how that's actually working. And I can remember, I don't remember so much on the weekend service when we did it, but when we did it at the leadership summit, I could just remember just like the response of the audience was like stunned. Hmm. Just what just happened. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I do remember the weirdest part of it for me was sitting at a piano that didn't have any of its actual uh, right. <laughs> notes, chords in there. I right, was right. tickling the ivories, but nothing was coming out. <laughs> but I was still like, I'm so committed it. to authenticity. <laughs> I'm so committed to honesty. I was not missing a hand placement. Yeah, right. You, I was you, hitting all you, those actual notes. Yeah, yes. you knew the song. Yeah. But it would be. <laughs> but I do remember every time you got to that bridge, like, oh, here comes the water. Is the water going to come? Is it going to work? <laughs> and I think to me, I think about this, actually, this element quite often. And there's mm-hmm. a few others that kind of fall into a similar category of working really hard, coming up with a creative idea, which mm-hmm. is not easy. 
mm-hmm. like figuring out, okay, how are we going to do it? Mm-hmm. And a lot of trust going around. Okay, I trust whoever's idea this is. I trust that this is still headed in the direction you want. You feel like it's going to work and trust on our side. You're going to make that piano do its thing. And, and then when you get down to it, you're like, okay, this probably isn't working and we need to mm. not do it again or mm-hmm. not in our example, like we probably never would do it again, but just like to a couple of times I can even remember at Christmas time, like being in rehearsal, be like, we have to cut that whole thing. It's not working. Like, God, we spent so much of our time on that. And now we're just going to cut it. But that it's not about, we're not investing time so that we will do something. We're investing time because it's what is best for our church. And yeah. sometimes, and now maybe the water piano is just my own exact, maybe it was amazing. And it just, it didn't hit me right. I can't but. find it on the internet. So <laughs> either, either it broke the internet because it was so glorious or it was a train wreck and they've fully washed away any. Right. So if you're <laughs> listening to this and you can find, you can find this video somewhere, just email me the link at uh, probably philo podcast at philo.org. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I would love to, I've tried to find that thing so much. Yeah. You know what you just said, Todd, that that's an interesting thing for me. Were you ever in moments where, see, my perception has always been the decision to cut big production elements came from either a single source or a, a group that right. an executive group that was making that call. Did you ever have those decisions where you felt inside of you, oh man, we've worked so hard on this element and it is not landing. I've got to speak up about that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I was ever afraid to not speak up. Like I never, if I was feeling that I would generally say something to someone. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I wasn't, yeah, that didn't usually make me nervous or it's not my place. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm here to make this service better and this isn't working for me. So I'm just going to bring it up. Yeah. I would say in some of those other examples, like somebody would say, I don't think this is working. Mm-hmm. And then in that moment, oh my gosh, we spent all this, like, how am I going to tell the team? And yeah, and then, okay, this, I agree, this is not working. But now that I'm really thinking about it and okay, yeah, let's do it. And so those moments are hard realizations to come to. Also, yeah, to be able to tell your people, I know we spent mm. three nights working this out, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's not working. And so we need to cut it. That, what you're saying brings me back to something that we talked about on my episode was the role of trust. And mm. when sometimes we are so in the weeds with something we've poured our heart and soul and, and resources into, sometimes it is that outside person that comes in or that team and the and they go, oh, ooh, this, ooh, this is not working. And, and we though, on stage in the production booth have to have enough trust with those who are speaking into it to go, okay, I trust your opinion here. Yeah. You're seeing something that we don't see. Mm-hmm. And that's quite the space of humility, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think too, that the sometimes it would be like, okay, we know this isn't perfect, but we're going to do it anyway. Like we're, mm-hmm. we've crossed over into it. Like we just can't conceive of something else in time. And so we're just going to go ahead with it and learn mm-hmm. from it. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the, those are equally as hard from a trust standpoint to, to even say, for me to speak up and say, we don't have time to reimagine this moment. And mm-hmm. so we just need to do it. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of time, just maybe taking it out of the realm of Christmas or some huge production, thinking about like even just a weekend service. You know what? Let's when in the days where we were doing Saturday night and two Sunday, like yeah. let's it's too late for the first service. So let's just do it. And then we'll have time to reassess and figure out some new thing. And for the, for somebody to trust and say, okay, yeah, let's do it anyway. And then we'll figure it out for tomorrow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. hundred percent. There, there have been so many moments like that. I was hesitant to share this or not, but I'm going to share it. (laughs) One of those, one of those times as I was prayerfully discerning, okay, Lord, is it time to, to move me on to Mm -hmm. a space that's smaller, more hidden, more invisible where I could Mm-hmm. really get some boots on the ground leadership experience mm-hmm. of my own there i was set to to sing a special song that weekend it was an all sons and daughters song called called me higher and the chorus goes you've called me higher you've called me deeper and i'll go where you will lead me lord and the song when it was chosen for me to sing, it felt very meaningful. It was very much like where I was at and the prayer I was asking God. And we got through Saturday afternoon practice. We're at the 4, 4.30 run through. 4.45, I get the note from the producer that we're cutting the song because it just didn't have enough oomph to it. And I went, oh, I see you, God. That was for me. And it felt like a such deep confirmation. It was just like the Lord was whispering wow. to me, like, hey, this was for you. Yeah. And, and we're not going to do it. Just this has happened so much <laughs> this past few years. But the song was for you and confirmation. It's time to, to go where I lead you. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's good. Yeah. It'd be nice to uh, have those moments. It seems like I've had a lot of conversations with people recently just about God showing up at these big moments of your life and kind of life decision points, Mm -hmm. at least for me. Mm -hmm. And the realization that like God wants to meet with us in smaller ways Mm -hmm. every day and I'm too busy or just not paying enough attention to, or not feeling like I need him quite so desperately. Mm -hmm. Like when you're at the, at those big moments. Yeah. Yeah. How do you listen? I know this is a tangent, but I'm curious, how do you press in and hear the voice of God? in my seasons of really questioning the big moments, like I had a moment when I was at Willow Creek where I was just like, I'm done with this place. I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And um, at that time I was, I would generally journal in the morning, just my write out my prayers. And in that season, I would write, a, I wrote a question at the end of my journaling that said, God, what do you want me to do today? Or what's next? Or uh, some question that, Mm-hmm. And so then I would put my pen down and just list, just sit. And mm-hmm. I had sort of given myself, I told myself, like the first thing that comes into your head, write it down. Ask the question. And then the first thing that pops in, write it down. And I can remember most of those things were just very minor, very small. Some of them like, I'm not doing, that's weird. But then it, it just kept happening. These very small, like apologize to this person for Mm. what you said yesterday, or buy a $5 gift card to Starbucks and give it to this person. You know, just like, yeah, very small. Small. And I think debatable, I think you could make a case for, it was just stuff in my head that was coming out. Like (laughs) not necessarily, doesn't have to be God, but then I, one of them came along and I'm just like, I'm absolutely not doing that. You know, it was like start a prayer group 
on the production team to pray mm-hmm. once a week for the church and leaders. And no, I'm not, it's weird mm-hmm. uh, for a production person, like praying out loud. Come on, I'm not doing mm-hmm. that. And then as I got into work that day and kept bumping into the people that I probably was like, I would probably ask this person to be a part of it. I'm just like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and then, yeah, it sort of dawned on me, like if I'm not willing to do this very small thing, how would I trust God to show up to give me the big thing to, to trust him with? I think for me, it's can I hear God's voice this morning or tomorrow morning yeah. or after lunch today or just about smaller things mm-hmm. that then when the big thing comes along, I'm a little bit familiar with what his voice sounds like. Yes. And I would say I'm not great at that idea, but in those moments uh, of the decision point to come to Willow Creek, decision point to maybe even going further back to not go into industrial engineering, but to go work at a church instead, to, to want to leave Willow Creek. And in that season, the I mm-hmm. ended up staying. Like mm-hmm. that was what I felt God was telling me, mm-hmm. you're going to stay here. And then eventually that moment when God's like, all right, your time is, it's time to move on now. So. Yeah. That practicing the presence of God is a a tiny book of letters by brother Lawrence. And it's, that's what we get to do. What you're speaking of is that tiny, like practicing, tuning in to -hmm. the voice of God, even if it's in the small space, even if you hear nothing, but it's our discipline of, of pausing and listening. And even, yeah, just like the smallest thing could be written down. And that's fine. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, God speaks in all big ways, little ways. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's amazing. Don't practice it enough. Yeah. (laughs) I One of the very, very few times, and I I consider this, I consider myself very fortunate for this because it's not, I don't think it's very common. One of the few times that I straight up, I'm going to say heard the voice of God. It was like words were written, a sentence was written upon my chest mm-hmm. and it did not come from me. It was my last Christmas. I didn't know it was going to be my last mm-hmm. Christmas at Willow and I was on stage. And again, I remember what I was wearing, how my hair was. We were in the middle of a dress rehearsal. We paused to to work on some production element. Uh-huh. And so I'm standing there with my mic, you know, probably looking at my phone or something. And the Lord clearly wrote on my heart, he said, enjoy this. This is your last Christmas. Oh, wow. And it felt like the biggest, most meaningful release mm. of gratitude mm. that I had stayed through probably two years that were the hardest for me. Mm. And I'd stayed in obedience until he called me higher. Yeah. And he called me deeper. He mm-hmm. called me where he wanted to send me. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful for that. But maybe he spoke that way because I was not getting the message. <laughs> maybe I wasn't <laughs> practicing the presence. And he's look, honey. <laughs> I think sometimes, or maybe often or all the time, I think God uses uncomfortable circumstances to get our mm-hmm. attention. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I was not uncomfortable, if I would start asking questions, God, what are you up to? What do you want me to do? Yeah. If I was comfortable, yeah, just go with the flow and not really pause to think too much about it. Mm -hmm. And so I think even there's probably some theological problem with what I'm about to say, but I think God uses uncomfortable situations to speak to us. Yeah. 
Yeah. For sure. I agree. Well, okay. We ran the gamut of all kinds of all kinds of topics. But, uh, we sure did. Good, it's good great. Conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. If people wanted to, we've been talking about your podcast. Yeah. And, yeah. Why don't you tell us how they could listen to that and any other ways they could stay in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So that darling confessions of a former megachurch singer is going to come out early 2022. And uh, we're just going to have conversations like you and I are having here, but on a whole number of different topics. And I want to give some people some really good context to some things that I think matter a lot in calling the church uh, higher. So you can check that out. You can go to beckyeikema.com. Com. That's Y-K-E-M-A, M like mother. Uh, and then you can also go to uh, darlingthepodcast.com too. And, and they all link together and you can find it there on all of the, all the everything. All the ways. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Nice. All right. Thanks again for joining me today. Thank you, Todd. What a great conversation. I believe that we each have a lot of work to do to make the relationship we have with our worship leaders more constructive. And so often I just followed along without expressing my reservations or any opinions I had. The reality is that it doesn't work without each side sticking up for what they need. But that doesn't work unless there's trust between the technical side and the platform side. And I really appreciate Becky and her willingness to share with us today. After talking with her, I wish we had another chance to work together and leverage all that we've learned since the years that have gone by. And there are so many great topics that we talked about. One was explaining the reason why. It's a great parenting tip. It's something I learned as a parent, but such a good idea with people who don't really understand what it is that you're doing or what it takes. And even from the other side, for the worship leaders in your life, to have them explain why are we doing this. Anyway, just so helpful in learning how to work better together. I also love just the idea of putting technical terms in such a way that a non-technical person can understand. Her thing about who is Dante and why do we need him in our building, I just I thought that was so funny. And for a lot of us, the worship leader is your boss, and it's really in our best interest to work really hard to help them understand what we need, but in terms that they can understand. And reminding each other that we're working together on the same thing. We come at this thing that we do, weekend services, from such different perspectives that oftentimes it feels like we're working against each other, but really we just have different angles on the same thing. And so we are working together. We just need to remind each other of that. I also love just the idea of debriefing after the fact, not necessarily in the moment. In the moment, it's time to get stuff done. But afterwards, making sure that we take time to connect outside of the craziness of the weekend. The other thing I wasn't planning on talking about that water piano bit and just that idea of willing to pull the plug on something when it isn't working. I mean, I think this is a really tough one because, you know, we've put so much time and money and effort into something and we just we have so many sunk costs involved that we just feel like we need to do it. But it's super necessary for us to look honestly at things and be willing to not do it if that's the right choice. Not that all of us have done a water piano thing, but I'm pretty sure that each of us has something that falls into that category of lots of effort, lots of time, but not working and we need to stop. Don't forget to check out Becky's new podcast. You can find it by searching for Darling, the podcast, Confessions of a Former Megachurch Singer, which you can find at beckyeichema.com or any place you can get your podcast from. 
And I'm a guest, and we're talking about the relationship between senior pastors, worship leaders, and technical artists. So let's support Becky, give it a listen, and yeah, we might get some insight on how our counterparts think, which can only help us work better together and more effectively. All right, if you're thinking about coming to the Philo Conference, you could sign up for either the online version or the in-person version at Willow Creek Church in the Chicagoland area. And we're starting to dig into all the details for the main sessions and the breakouts, as well as some content that is unique to the stream. And it's gonna be up there with one of the best Philo Conferences yet. And right now, prices are the lowest that they'll be, so make sure to sign up, not just yourself, but your team also. And really, I I would say just the time that you spend together will be unforgettable. Learning new skills together, being in community together, being inspired together, and then being in a room full of people that are in your same situation. It's yeah, it's really a special moment. And for our podcast listeners, you can use the code PODCAST10. You can get 10% off of your ticket purchase just as a thank you for listening. And it's hard to believe it's this is the beginning of our fifth season on the Philo Podcast. I can't even believe that we started that many years ago. And we've had some really amazing guests on and we have some really amazing guests coming up. But if you think of anybody that you'd like to hear from, give us your ideas at philopodcast at philo.org. And also, if you happen to find the water piano online anywhere, don't forget to share that link with us also. Uh, I went looking this morning, I couldn't find it. We really appreciate your engagement with the Philo community and hope this has been useful for you today. You could subscribe to our podcast to be alerted when the next episodes are dropping. You can also sign up for our newsletter, which gives you a little bit more of a holistic view of what Philo has going on. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. That's at Philo Community and on Twitter at Philo Conference. All right, that's it. See you next time. Bye.